Hello, my baby. Hello, my honey. Hello, my ragtime gal. How's it going, everybody? This is David Sanchez, and this is episode 41 of the Riffs or Die podcast for Tuesday, July 13. I've been gone. Been gone for a little while, but I am back. I'm back in the saddle again, as one Steven Tyler would say. As always, you can write to me via email, write in any questions, comments you have for the show, podcast at riffsordie.com. And as always, you can go to riffsordie.com and pick up some merch. And if you want to support the show further, you can go to patreon.com slash riffsordie. And on Patreon, if you sign up at the $10 level or higher, you will get access to the live Zoom hangouts that we do once a month. I did not do one in June, so I'm doubling down this month here in July. And I'm going to be doing a live Zoom hangout on Sunday, July 18th, and on Saturday, July 31st. So if you want to have access to those, you need to go to patreon.com slash riffsordie, sign up at the $10 level or higher. And on top of the Zoom Hangouts, you'll also get access to the Patreon-only feed and discounts at riffsordie.com. I was out of town for a while visiting my hometown of Denver, Colorado. It's the only state with the word rad built in. I am a... Radden, and I'm very glad that I got to grow up there. It's a very cool city. A lot of people are moving there because everyone is figuring out it's a cool town. Secrets out. Everybody and their brother wants to live there now. So I got to visit home. I am now back on the Isle of Oahu in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. But I had a real good trip. I'm going to fill you guys in on what I've been up to for the last month. And then see where that takes us. Well, for starters, it was really great to see my family and the dogs. Got to hang out with both of my brothers, my mom, uh, her husband. I saw basically everyone in my immediate family other than my father. He's living in another state right now, so I did not see him. But my little half-brother, Isaiah, flew out to Colorado to hang out for a few days. That was very cool. Um, man, the mask thing in Colorado was such a change of pace versus here in Hawaii. Because in Hawaii, everyone's still wearing masks, and you still have to wear masks when you go inside places. But in Colorado, you didn't have to wear a mask anywhere indoors. It was such a huge relief to not have that, oh, crap, I forgot my mask feeling when you're walking into a place. It was a little taste of freedom. And boy, was it delicious. It's crazy here in Hawaii. Even though the governor said you don't need to wear a mask outside, including CDC came out and said that, you know, you don't need to wear a mask outside. There's no good evidence that it spreads outside in the sunlight. Even with that, people in this state here in Hawaii, at least uh, in the Waikiki area where I am, on Oahu, literally about 50% of people still walk around muzzled up outside on the sidewalk, even if they're completely by themselves or even if they're running 
riding a bicycle, riding a skateboard, whatever, they choose to wear masks. It's pretty wild out here. About 50% of the people that I see walking down the sidewalk are wearing masks. So big change of pace versus Colorado. And from what I understand, most of the country is opened up and doesn't have the mask mandates. So good on you, the rest of the U.S. Hawaii, get your shit together. Please and thank you. But freedom, man, it feels good. On the flight over to Colorado, we watched a movie in the airplane. We watched District 9. I had never seen that movie. I wanted to see it ever since I saw previews for it before it came out. And uh, that movie was really cool. The prawns, these aliens basically get their own ghetto and are treated like second-class citizens when they come to, <laughs> come to Earth. Like, hey, foreigners, fuck you. Granted, the movie takes place in uh, South Africa. South Africa's got a long history of segregating people, so I think they might have picked that place on purpose for the irony. Cool movie. If you haven't seen it, it's worth a watch. The CGI is pretty good, and uh, and I can see where Rick and Morty got their idea for their little insect-like creatures, like Crumbopulous Michael and the uh, the agents that try to crack Rick's brain. They look like the prawns in District 9, big time. One of the first days that I was out there in Colorado, we went to Kuma's Corner. Now, Kuma's is a heavy metal burger place. It started in Chicago. There's a handful of them out there in the Midwest, and they have a Denver location now. And once a month, they have a special burger on the menu. That's their burger of the month. And in June 2021 was the Havoc Burger. Now, we did like a little event, invited a bunch of people to come hang out, take pictures, sign autographs. Pete and I were both there, and we both tried our burger and uh, met up with a lot of people. From what I understand, the burger sold really well, and, and people seemed to be digging it. Now, when we first started talking to Kumas, they asked what we would want on a burger, and uh, I told them it would be awesome if we could get something that was a, a burger with bacon on it, with pepper jack cheese, and then sautéed onions, sautéed mushrooms, and sautéed jalapenos with some sort of a spicy aioli or like sriracha mayo or something like that to kind of tame all the spice a little bit. And lo and behold... They basically made that exact burger for us. Um, the only liberties that they took on the chef end was to add a piece of fried rosemary, which I was very skeptical of, but it actually complemented the burger amazingly. I thought it was going to be too overpowering, but it blended in perfectly with that burger. So if you're ever in the Chicago area or Indianapolis or Denver and you want to go to a really cool spot that blasts metal, over their speakers and has cool artwork everywhere and delicious food. You got to go hit Kuma's corner fingers crossed that they will make it a more permanent staple on their menu. 
I don't know. If you if you tried the burger, maybe write Takumas and tell them <laughs> that it you want to have it again. The Havoc Burger was a success. And it was really cool on all the chalkboards for their Burger of the Month at all the different Kumas locations. They had artists uh, take to the chalkboard and make artwork for the Havoc Burger. And the mac and cheese that they do for the Burger of the Month every time, it was called the Prepare for Attack Mac. A lot of people made the joke, prepare for a heart attack. Yeah, 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 I get it. Nobody said you couldn't go for a walk after you eat it. But uh, <laughs> the chalkboard art came out really cool, and it was all unique to every location. So big props to Kumas for getting some local artists in on the whole thing, and thank you to Kumas for hosting the Havoc Burger. That was really, really cool. We've always wanted to do that ever since the first time we ate at Kuma's in Chicago. So that was a nice little goal accomplished by the band. Very, very cool, and we're very grateful for the opportunity to do that. So that happened the day before my birthday when we were out there. And uh, the night of my birthday, we went to a barcade, as they call it a bar that has a bunch of arcade and pinball machines and shit like that. Went there and um, met up with a great friend of mine who moved out of Denver, but was back in town just for a few days. So I got to see one of my great friends. Of course, I did this whole trip with my girlfriend. And uh, so she was there. She got to meet a bunch of people from my hometown. It was awesome getting to introduce her to all these people I've known forever. But on my birthday, we went to 1UP, the barcade there on Colfax in Denver. Played a bunch of four-player Pac-Man with my friend, her brother, his girlfriend. And then Pete was there for a while. And uh, a fan who's a listener of this podcast. I don't know if he wants me to say his name or not. But uh, a dude from California who's a big Havoc fan came out. All the way out from California to Denver to try that Havoc Burger at Kuma's. And uh, he's a really nice, cool guy. Big supporter of the podcast and the band, including uh, Pete and and Reese's Twitch streams. He's just a, a really cool, generous dude. And he had never been out of California. So he decided this is it. Fuck it. <laughs> I'm going to go to Denver to get a Havoc Burger. And uh, he came out. On my birthday as well, hung out with him. Great dude. Like I said, I don't know if he wants me to divulge his name, but you know who you are. And uh, man, you're a badass making that trip. That's really cool. I'm glad that you got to get in an airplane and got to go do some cool things in a in a foreign place. There's a little tiny taste of what it's like to go on tour. But imagine you're in a different city every single day. Another fun thing I did while I was out there at home is go and look at land in the mountains. Eventually, I would really love to have some land in the mountains. I want to be somewhere within an hour of the city. So when uh, concerts pick back up and, you know, if I need to work in the city or or go to a show or meet somebody at a restaurant or whatever, it's not a four-hour drive to go home. It's just one hour. So I'd like to stay within an hour of the city, but... Me and my girlfriend looked at some land in the mountains. There's a lot of really beautiful places up there. 
Obviously, winters are a little more rough than they would be in the city just because it's going to snow more and naturally be a little colder. But we found some really beautiful, cool spots that are not insanely overpriced. So definitely going to be keeping my eyes open for that because the dream is to eventually build an Earthship. And for people that have listened to this podcast since the beginning, you know what Earthships are. I've talked about them before. But for people that don't know, Earth ships are basically homes that are made out of mostly recycled materials, and you can grow your own food inside of the home year-round, regardless of the climate. You harvest your own rain and snow for drinking water and all other water use in the house. They don't need an AC. They don't need a heater. And uh, you have your own electricity you know, with solar or wind, whatever you want to use. So you're literally completely off of the grid and you're recycling at the same time that you're building the home. They stay between 68 and 72 degrees year round, regardless of climate, because they utilize a lot of sunlight to uh, heat the place in the daytime. And the main walls of the earth ship are made out of recycled tires, old shitty tires that are basically useless. You pack them full of dirt. So because of the main walls of your house are like two and a half feet thick, really thick, for people overseas, it'd be like, I don't know, 0.7 meters. But because of that thickness, you have all of this mass separating you from the outside elements, and it's really well insulated. But that's the dream, is to be completely off the grid, have my own water supply, my own energy supply, my own food supply. And with the earth ships, one of the coolest things about it is it reuses the water several times. You catch the rain, it gets filtered, it goes into your drinking water and your shower stuff. That gets filtered after it goes down those drains. It then waters your plants indoors. After it goes through the soil for your indoor plants, it gets filtered again and goes and fills your toilet. You know, you don't need the cleanest water ever to take a dump into. So after you flush it, it gets filtered one more time. And the water that was filtered goes to your outdoor plants, whether that's trees or food growing outdoors or flowers or whatever you got out there. goes there, and then the waste, the, the true bio-waste, goes to your septic tank. So you don't have to change your septic stuff as frequently and you reuse the water like four different times before it hits its last place. Super cool. If you don't know about Earth ships, I highly suggest you Google them or DuckDuckGo them or go to the library and look it up in an encyclopedia. Except I don't think you'll find it in an encyclopedia. But... Uh, <laughs> Look them up. They're really cool. We stayed in one for a few nights in Taos, New Mexico. That's where the original community of Earthships is. And you can stay in them just on Airbnb. Rent one out for a few nights. The stars out there in the middle of nowhere in the desert are amazing. And the home itself is beautiful and quiet. Perfect temperature. And the, the air is full of extra oxygen up there in the front greenhouse area. So you have all the plants there, but um, yeah, not needing air conditioning or a heater. It was so quiet. 
I'm so used to um, sleeping with air conditioning on because I like to sleep in the cold. And it was interesting. It was cold, nice and cool at night, not too brutal or anything. But there was no noise, you know, no machinery working. And because you have so much natural sunlight and there's no air conditioner and there's no furnace for heater, your solar power goes a lot longer. It goes a lot further than it does on a traditional home because ACs take up so much energy. Same with heaters. So much energy is eaten up. But we found when we were there, we really only needed to turn the lights on at nighttime. Otherwise, we were getting so much natural light from the sunlight we didn't ever need to turn the lights on. But I can't say enough good things about Earth chips. You need to go look them up. They're very cool looking and consider going to Taos and staying in one. One of the days while we were in Denver, we went and got some Venezuelan food at one of our friend's restaurants. It's called Quiero Arepas. And Arepas, or Arepas, depending on how proper you want to be with the accent, Spelled A-R-E-P-A-S. Arepas. Or arepas. Quiero arepas to the white man. Serves amazing Venezuelan food. And uh, it's like a sandwich. Almost like a pita. It's like a pocket made with cornmeal. Really delicious bread. And they load it up with um, all kinds of like stewed meats and avocado and beans and plantains. And god damn, it's so good. If you're in Denver or Boulder, Colorado, you have to go check out Quiero Arepas. Amazing food. And uh, the people that own it are friends of ours and they're amazing people. They came up with amazing recipes and it's just killer. You got to go try it. Really great Venezuelan food over there. We had that for lunch one of those days. Met up with Nick, bass player in Cephalic Carnage and Job for a Cowboy. Nick Shins. Met up with him, his girlfriend, uh, Brian from Cephalic Carnage, and, and uh, the owners of Quiero Arepas. And we had a good old time eating those and uh, shortly after went to a Colorado Rockies game. Saw some baseball. Baseball game was a good time. They're always a good time. I think one of the reasons that sporting events are so fun, especially for general populace, is I'm spoiled and I get to scream my head off. You know, I get paid to do that. But think about it. When you're at a sporting event, you can scream and yell and hoot and holler as loud as you want. And no one's going to like give you a weird look or judge you for doing it. It's accepted. It's encouraged to do it there. But in normal society, you can't do that shit at all. You can't just go into the grocery store and start screaming your head off like a maniac. Socially unacceptable. But at a sporting event or a concert, you get to yell and have a good time. And yelling releases so many endorphins, it makes you feel so good. I think that's a huge reason that when I come off a stage... From a Havoc show, I, I feel so great. I just released a shitload of endorphins yelling my head off. It's a good feeling. Gives you energy. Makes you feel powerful. But those dang old Rockies, they're doing the All-Star game today. Uh, my brother's actually going to that. 
That should be exciting. Good time. All the best players in the major leagues slamming out home runs. Coors Field is like a hitter's paradise because the air is so thin in Denver that there's a lot of home runs that happen there at Coors Field. I did a little bit of homework before recording this and wrote down some of the things that we did when we were in Colorado. So I'm just knocking these things out, going straight down the list. I wanted to catch you guys up with what I've been up to because I've been absent for a while. So apologies to the regular listeners, but I'm here. I'm queer. I ain't going nowhere. I mean, I'm not queer, but I mean, not like that. I'm a little odd. So I guess in the classical sense of the word, queer meaning odd. Yeah, I guess I'm I'm kind of queer. But I ain't going nowhere. These podcasts are going to get back on track, my friends. I appreciate you being patient and giving this the old college try with your ear holes. Much preach. In the middle of the run, my little brother Isaiah came into town and... uh, He was just visiting for a few days while I was there and hung out with my other brother, Steve. And while Isaiah was here, I only had one full day where I could hang out with him. We played some video games, mainly Call of Duty, Warzone. It's basically the only video game I'm good at anymore. (laughs) Maybe I'll jump on Twitch someday and uh, show my Warzone skills. But when Isaiah was in town, we went bowling. We met up with Pete, Mr. Weber. Went bowling, ate some uh, barbecue, knocked some pins down. Had a good time doing that. And later that night, we went to a La Special show. Now, La Special, a lot of you guys are probably familiar with now. I got to mix their last record, Ancient Homies. And uh, they were playing in Denver at this new venue that's kind of like an art gallery. It's called New Conscious, K-N-E-W, New Conscious. And the art gallery had some really interesting pieces on the wall, really trippy, psychedelic, geometrical kind of stuff. Reminded me of the outskirts of a lot of Alex Gray paintings. But we went and saw a special there. They murdered it, as usual, and uh, I took me, my girlfriend, and my brothers. We all went to the special. Had a good old time. They covered some Primus stuff, including one of my favorite Primus songs, Pudding Time. Pudding Time, children. Well, the special crushed it live, and they do every single time I've ever seen them. They had these really sick lasers in the show that they rented just for that performance. And there's videos and photos of it floating around somewhere online, I'm pretty sure. But they played that venue two nights in a row. We went to the second show. I saw them in Denver. It's good, real good to see those guys. And La Special now was like the first real proper show, not masked, not socially distanced, at an indoor venue. It was the first one that I've gone to since lockdowns began. And interestingly, La Special was the last band that I saw before lockdown started. 
I saw La Special play in Denver on March 13th, the very day that lockdowns all started. So they were the last band that I saw before lockdowns, and they were the first band that I saw when lockdowns have kind of loosened up. Good deal. Now the next day, La Special played up in Fort Collins, which is about an hour, hour and a half north of Denver. And they played at this really cool venue just west of Fort Collins called the Mishawaka. It's Mishawaka Amphitheater. And to get there, you drive through this beautiful canyon alongside a river. The canyon's called Pooter. Pooter Canyon. That's what I sometimes call my computer. My Pooter. But we drove to the Mishawaka Amphitheater, and this venue is so beautiful. There's a stage with a raging river full of rapids right behind the stage. And on the other side of the river are these gigantic mountains. And you just turn around, total 360, every direction. It's beautiful. There's mountains and trees everywhere. Super cool place to play a show. I've always heard it was awesome, but I had never been there. And we went up uh, to see Le Special, but... I was not just there to attend and be a part of the audience, but La Special asked me if I could mix them at this show. So they put me to work. I was more than happy to do it. And I got to mix one of my favorite bands at a really cool venue outdoors. So I'm sure they posted some videos from their performance at that Mishawaka Amphitheater. I know that my girlfriend got some video clips of their set and I'll have to get some of those from her and post it up later because I was pretty stoked on how the mix was sounding out front and the lights were great and just such a cool place. I'll post up this video I got right around Soundcheck where I just showed what the venue looked like. Super, super cool place to see a concert. And their concert schedule at the Mishawaka looked pretty stacked up for this year and they had some good artists coming there so if you're in that area anywhere in Colorado maybe get your ass over there see a concert turns out the front of house guy for the Mishawaka that I was working with all day he was super cool nice guy turns out he does front of house for Ween the band Ween he's been there touring front of house guy forever so (laughs) I didn't learn that till way later in the day but that was really cool I know that Ween is playing in Denver on Halloween. I'm going to try to go to that show and go say what's up. But I got to get those video clips from the Mishawaka special show. I'll have to post some of those up. If you're hearing this and you haven't listened to special, you need to go check them out. And if you have the opportunity to see them live, definitely do it. That band blows my mind with how dense their sound is and how how much noise they can make for being only three people. It's really incredible what they do when they utilize looping and the guitar player and bass player both play synthesizers. It's pretty fucking crazy what they're able to pull off in a live show just being three people. Definitely check them out. If you get the chance to see them live, don't pass it up. You got to go. After that show is over... We actually drove further north to Wyoming. We were on our way to Utah. 
my girlfriend is from Salt Lake City, and she had some business stuff to do and wanted to see some friends. So we decided to take a little road trip up to Salt Lake. And from Fort Collins, we didn't want to drive back home and then have to make up that time to go back to Utah the next morning. So we decided to just knock out another hour of the drive and stay in Laramie, Wyoming. Not much to say about Laramie, Wyoming. It's just a just a town in Wyoming. <laughs> but to break up the drive between Laramie and Salt Lake City, we met up with a buddy of mine who has been on this podcast twice now, Jonathan Munyer. He's a respiratory therapist and bass player and falconer. And we met up with him. He's working in a town in Wyoming at the moment that was right at the midway point between Laramie and Salt Lake. So we met up with him and had lunch. It was actually really cool. We got to see him. And uh, the place that he's staying, he has these kestrel falcons, these little tiny falcons that he's training to uh, do some falconry work with. And that was very cool to see those birds way up close. He actually let us feed a couple of them with these little pink mice or pink rats. I can't remember what you call them, pinkies. Basically little very, 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 very small (laughs) baby rodents that are already dead. And uh, you, you hold them in your hand with the glove on and whistle, and the bird will come and start munching on that thing. Pretty wild, wild beast to try to tame and train. But it's super cool that he does that stuff. And we were fortunate to get to go and see some of them in person. That was awesome. So thanks, John, if you hear this. Thank you, sir. Good to see you. After visiting with John, we made it all the way to old Mormonville, Salt Lake City, Utah. Stayed at a real cool Airbnb right downtown, fairly close to the Mormon temple. And we met up with some of my lady's friends, had a great time meeting all of them. And we ate some great food out there, had some drinks. And just by chance, walked by a pawn shop downtown in Salt Lake. We went in there based on this cool wolf shirt they had hanging in the window (laughs) that I wanted to get, and I actually did wind up buying. But while we were in there, uh, one thing I found in there was was an old penny, an old Indian head penny from 1863. So Civil War time. Got an old penny from that time. It was a few bucks, but very cool piece of history to have. And maybe 50 years from now, it'll be worth way more. But found that, found that cool shirt, stumbled upon an old iPod classic, picked that up from a lady, and they had some cool jewelry in there. And I saw something in this pawn shop that really sparked my curiosity. They had a Moog, a synthesizer. A lot of people say Moog, but it's actually pronounced Moog. I asked the people at the company. <laughs> but they had a Moog back there. It was used, and it's uh, the model is called a Little Fatty, P-H-A-T-T-Y. But this Moog Little Fatty was sitting back there, 
and I saw that it was 600 bucks. I was like, hmm, Moogs are really expensive. That sounds like it's a really good deal. So I took a picture of it, but then later got home to our Airbnb, and I looked it up, and apparently that Moog Little Fatty is the last Moog model that had the creator of the company take part in the design. So this product was the last one to have the original designer's touch in the engineering side of this synthesizer. And I looked it up, and I couldn't find a little fatty from Moog for any cheaper than like 800 bucks used online. So the fact that they were selling this thing for $600, I looked at Juliet and was like, hey, check this out. <laughs> I looked up videos of the sounds that it makes. I was like, what do you think? I mean, even if we decided we didn't want this thing, we could turn around and sell it for more than we're going to buy it for. But it'd be pretty damn cool to have this thing. What do you think? And she was like, oh, hell yeah. So <laughs> we slapped our money together and, and bought a Moog. So now I've got, or we've got, a Moog synthesizer. We left it in Colorado because it's fairly cumbersome and would not want that thing to get broken by TSA or baggage handlers. So it's in Colorado, awaiting our nimbly fingers. But I did mess around with it a little bit while I was home, and that thing is so goddamn cool. You can make all of the funky sounds that you can imagine. All the funky synth stuff that you hear in you know, old funk music or like in daft punk and shit like that, you can make all of those sounds on that machine. All the old Michael Jackson stuff. Old Brothers Johnson, all that Quincy Jones era shit, the Bar K's, the Gap Band, Ohio Players, all that Dr. Dre, um, NWA, Easy E, Eminem, Snoop Dogg shit. You can make all of those sounds on this synth, and I can't wait to dive into it a little bit more. I'm terrible on keys, but I was having a great time just coming up with really simple little funky lines. Because the sound of it is so cool, it makes it fun to play even when you suck at keys like myself. So I'm stoked to get back and mess around with that thing a little bit more. We actually bought that thing on our way out of town. It was the morning we were leaving. We were like, all right, it's now or never. Let's get that thing. Packed it up in the trunk, headed out of town. On the way home from Salt Lake, we took I-70, which, in my opinion, is one of the most beautiful drives in the whole country. I-70 between Utah and Colorado is just insane. It's so beautiful. So many cool, interesting landscapes. A lot of high mountain desert stuff and lots of mountains, alpine landscapes. So many things to look at and I love driving in Utah. The roads are nice, and the speed limits are 80, not 75. So you can reasonably get away with going 85 without getting pulled over, which is quite nice. But going that I-70 route, about two and a half hours from Denver, you drive through this place that's so cool. It's called Glenwood Canyon. And driving through Glenwood Canyon was actually kind of disturbing on this trip because I know that last year it caught on fire and it burned a bunch of the canyon. We had some huge fires. The two biggest fires on record in Colorado history 
were happening at the same time last year. But we drove through Glenwood Canyon and saw the aftermath of the fires, you know, a year later. So it's not as scorched as it was originally, but woo, the whole like northern side of that canyon just got torched. It was it was pretty devastated. It was unsettling to see it in that state, all brown and yellow and just beat up and it did not look healthy. The other side still looked like the way it used to, really green and beautiful big trees all over the place, but most of that northern side of the canyon got wrecked by those fires. And the thing that kind of really sucks is, um, on one hand, I'm really glad I've seen it so many times before that happened because it was insanely beautiful. But on the other side, like some of those trees you know, or over a hundred years old, it's going to take a long time for that area to look the way that it used to. Like, you know, it may take hundreds of years for it to get back to its more original form. So that was um, interesting to say the least. One of the most beautiful sites that you get to drive in, in Colorado, just kind of got wrecked by mother nature. On a brighter note, <laughs> when we got back to Denver, we had a day to chill out. And then that next day, we were going up to the mountains to go camping. My brother, Steve, plays in a band called Goofball Bucket. And they've got a lot of funny songs, funny dudes. And um, I mean, for instance, one of the songs is Dance, Dance, Dance Till You Shit Your Pants. It's stuff like that. <laughs> so Goofball Bucket is an appropriate name. But they were throwing their very first ever festival. It was Camp Goofball. And they did it up in the mountains in Colorado. And we went up to that and uh, had a great time there. Luckily, the weather eventually cooperated. But on the way there, man, it was pouring. The rain was so brutal at one point. I had the truck's wipers on max as fast as they could go, and I couldn't see shit. The rain was coming down so hard, I had, I had to pull over. I, I couldn't see. It was really dangerous. But eventually, the rain lightened up, and we were able to make it to camp. And once we got there, we had this short window of it not raining. That was when we set up our tent and got all of our stuff out and situated. Saw some bands. Actually, I wound up mixing one of the bands because the sound guy for the festival was playing in one of the bands. So <laughs> I got co-opted to, to do sound, but it was no problem. It was fun. And on night one, that rain started coming down like crazy. We got fairly brutalized outside. We had ponchos on. It wasn't too bad. We were like, all right, cool. Well, now the music's over for the night, and it's pouring rain, so I'm excited to get into the tent and, you know, be dry and, and hang out and go to sleep. Well, we got back to our tent and discovered that our tent was leaking the whole time. It was dumping water on everyone. So one of the thick blankets that was in there that was kind of acting as a padding for our our mattress in the tent was soaked when we got there. 
and I've used this tent many times before, but never in rain that hard. So I had no idea that it had any leaks in it. That was news to me. But I could see that the water was coming right in the center of the tent. So with that blanket that was already soaked, I decided to just take it out of the tent and throw it on top just to redirect where the water was going. And that seemed to do the trick. We stayed pretty dry for the rest of the night. So luckily that blanket was absorbent and big enough to to throw around the tent and redirect that water. Because, man, having a leaky tent when it's pouring rain nonstop all night. It's already cold, but to be cold and wet with stuff dripping on you all night is not a good way to go. So very, very thankful that we had extra blankets and we were able to to hook that up. I need to seal that tent a little better, get those seams all sealed, put some water repellent shit on there. Because I do not want to be stuck in a situation like that again <laughs> where the tent is leaking. Your shelter is uh, not too different from outside elements. And day two of the camp, it rained almost all day, man. We were stuck in our tent for a lot of the daylight. But eventually, it cleared up and the music started rolling and we lucked out. It didn't rain again. Got super lucky with that. Had a great time on night two. You know, if it was going to keep pouring, we were really on the fence about dipping out. If it was going to just be a monsoon the whole rest of the trip, we didn't really want to stick around. If no bands were going to be playing, we were just going to be stuck in our tent or have the option of going outside and getting completely soaked in in the uh, dark. And then the rock and roll gods spoke to us, and they parted the clouds, and the rain cleared up. Had a great rest of the night. Next time Camp Goofball happens, I'll definitely be going and I'll blast it out to everybody. So if you're in Colorado and you want to go have a good time, pay a little bit of money, have your own campsite. Um, They were cooking hot food and there was probably 18 bands or so that played in a really beautiful area. Campground was awesome. No complaints about that. It It was beautiful. I was working the fire all night, number two. Somebody had to be the fire starter. Twisted fire starter. It was me. Of course, after getting home, being the fire stoking guy, reeking like smoke, I had to wash my hair a few times to get that smell out. <laughs> Even after showering, though, that that smoke smell was embedded inside of my nasal cavity for a good 48 hours. But anyone that builds fires and goes camping understands. It's a good feeling, though. Let's you know you did something. That was pretty much the end of my Denver trip. The next day, um, we had just one day to pack everything up and, and chill. That night, we went, hung out with Nick, had a couple of drinks, and... Um, on that last day, we went to Kuma's Corner again, <laughs> but it was closed on Mondays, so unfortunately, we couldn't get another Havoc Burger. That was going to be our third time trying to get a Havoc Burger, 
before the end of the month. But they were closed, so we called an audible and went back to Quiero Arepas. Had some more Venezuelan food right before we dipped out. That's a good way to send ourselves off out of Denver. I also got to give a huge shout out to my brother Steve for picking us up and dropping us off at the airport. He didn't have to do any of that, and uh, great to see him. Great to see my mom. All the rest of the family and the friends. The three weeks that we were in Denver went by way too fast. So I'll be going back again in September. And just so you guys know, when that September trip rolls around and I go to Colorado, there's not going to be a whole month of podcasts missing. I'll make sure things stay on the rails a little bit better because there's no way I'm going to not do any podcasts for two months when I'm in Colorado again. Ain't gonna happen. Not gonna do it. I guess the only other stuff to talk about here to recap you on my trip is the flight back. The flight back to Hawaii reread bits and pieces of my dog-eared pages in the book The Conquest of Happiness. Bertrand Russell, Conquest of Happiness. Went back through and read the parts that I had underlined and highlighted and, you know, got all the juice squeezed out of the book real fast. I I reread that stuff with my girlfriend and it was eye-opening and enlightening and very cool to reread stuff that I took a lot of value from in my past and reread it with a new perspective and see like, oh, that's good. Oh, that helps explain why I turned out the way I did. There was parts where I was reading it and I was like, holy shit, that book had a huge impact on the way that I think and the way I view things. And it didn't dawn on me when thinking about that book, but it definitely became obvious when I was rereading parts of it. I recommend that book to a lot of people and I tell them it's one of my favorite books I've ever read, but specifics about it didn't jump out to me like they did when I just reread parts of it the other day. It's interesting to have that new perspective and reread something that transformed my life when I was in my early 20s and see how it has helped to sculpt who I am now in my early 30s. If you haven't read it, check it out. The Conquest of Happiness by Bertrand Russell. A lot of good advice in there, and it was written over a 100 years ago, but so much of it is still relevant. I don't think it's a 100 years old. I think it was written in the 1930s. I could be wrong, but you get the point. It's old wisdom that still pertains to what we have going on today. And now I'm in Hawaii. Right back to mask land. It's a beautiful place. Minus the blind obedience to authority. Other than that, it's great. A lot of the people here are really cool, really chill. But some of the people here are definitely down with tyranny and being told what to do. For no good reason. It's an odd thing. I guess maybe some of the people here are so chill and Hawaiian that they're too chill. (laughs) 
<laughs> on some of this stuff. But that's just my opinion. What are you going to do? Well, that pretty much catches you up with everything I've been up to for the last month. This episode was like a personal audio diary, I guess, for my life. Maybe I'll listen back to this in 20 years and go, Oh, man, I forgot about that. That was a good old time right there. Yee-hoo! I've got some good interviews coming up for this podcast. And I will be dropping those on you guys sometime in the next month. So keep your peepers peeping. Keep an eye out for that stuff. And as always, if you want to write into the podcast, just shoot me an email, podcast at com. I love hearing from you guys. Send over any funny concert stories, crazy concert stories, any wisdom that you have to share, any good advice, quotes, questions about music. Questions about Havoc, questions about gear, book recommendations, lay it all on me. Shoot me an email. And don't forget to subscribe on patreon.com slash die if you want to do the live Zoom hangouts this month. Those are always fun, and I'm looking forward to doing them, two of them, this month. Hit die.com if you want to pick up some cool merch. And my musical recommendation for this week, even though I've kind of, in a roundabout way, already suggested some stuff, for anybody that's into death metal, one of my favorite death metal bands is called Blood Red Throne. Blood Red Throne is from Norway, and they sound kind of like Cannibal Corpse mixed with a little bit more thrash and uh, like more rock and roll, just groovy stuff. Blood Red Throne's almost like if Cannibal Corpse and Pantera and Slayer all had a baby. But they just released a new song called Itaka, and it's fucking sick. Go check that out. If you're into death metal, I think you're going to love it. If you're not into death metal, I don't know how you're going to feel about it. <laughs> but that's my musical recommendation for the week. Blood Red Throne, Itaka. It's all over their social media and um, should be easy to find. Check that out, everybody. I will leave you with this quote from The Conquest of Happiness by Bertrand Russell. He says, Worry and fret and irritation are emotions which serve no purpose. Don't worry. Don't fret. Don't get irritated. Those emotions serve no purpose. Do your very best to relax. Take your easy. With that, I'll talk to you all next week. Take it real easy, everybody. Adios, amigos. <laughs>